We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How we doing today? It's uh, Ivy Nation Sports Talk, the Friday Rapid Fire Show. That's why it's five o'clock if you're watching live right now. And I'm uh, I'm sitting in here, not quite snowbound South Bend. It's snowing outside. It's not quite as bad as we thought it was going to be, according to the uh, the forecast. But uh, I'd love to be a weather person. You're never right, but you get paid to be wrong. I know. Vince and Jesse gallivanting around the nation. Vince is in uh, Florida, where apparently. The sun is not shining today, Vince. Uh, it is not shining. It is 68 degrees, though. So, I mean, I will take that part of it. Uh, but it is currently raining and overcast. So, All right. Uh, should be great for kicking tomorrow. Jesse is still in Ohio, but a different part of Ohio. His, um, can't say in-law, his his uh, <laughs> his lady friend's dad is having a birthday <laughs> this weekend. But do you want to say in-law? That's the question. Right. Salty, by the way, Jess, from the looks of it at times, is Jesse's house actually either a safe house for police informants or an undisclosed location for military interrogation of terrorists? You are in a different location today, and it could be a new safe house that you're in from the looks of things. Yeah, real real good attic vibes up here. I might be locked up. You never know. <laughs> for sure. For sure. All right. Well, Jesse just gave us a uh, a time limit <laughs> at the start of the show. Listen so <laughs> let's light this firecracker and just get it rolling here today. All right. A lot of coaching activity, obviously, this week. And we're going to start with this. In the wake of Marcus Freeman's name, initially at least being connected, according to Pete Thamel, to the Alabama coaching vacancy, there's been a lot of, you know, understandably nervous Irish fans this week. We're going to get to the Kalen DeBoer news in a little bit, but I've seen some suggest that maybe it's, you know, Notre Dame needs to to up the ante, give Marcus Freeman a contract extension with a bigger buyout than the reported $4 million that it sits at. So do you guys buy or sell this notion? What do you think? So there's two sides to this, in my opinion. The first side is you go off performance and Marcus Freeman, his first two seasons is, and you know, maybe my, I I would like my fact checkers to uh, back me up here, but in the first season he was nine and four. And then Mm -hmm. in the second season, 
He was 10 and three. So right. I believe that puts you at uh, 19 and seven over your right. first two seasons. Well, that's not, that's not horrible by any means. I, that's really good. I don't know if that warrants an already contract extension. Have you proven enough in your first two seasons to warrant the contract extension? But then the, the devil's advocate to that or the flip side to that is he does he need to be beefed up considering, you know, what's kind of going on right now? If you don't want to get poached, do you beef up the, the buyout? That way the other team has to or whoever it might be has to put in more in order to pull Marcus Freeman away essentially so that's kind of the way um i look at it and again i don't think that the first two seasons has warranted a beefy contract extension but i understand the kind of unsettling nerves of people being like well why not beef up an extension that way you know that he's definitely going to stick around i i agree with jesse and i will expand on that as well i i think that should there be should they be beefing up the extension right now in in fear that he's going to leave like for the 24 season? No, I don't, that's ridiculous. And the fact that the buyout was, you know, a little under $4 million or whatever, I believe his salary is right around $5 million. I mean, why would you make the buyout bigger than his annual salary? That much more than his salary. Yeah. When you first hired him, like, you know what I mean? Like, why would you have done that in the first place? So that seems a little bit ridiculous. And I agree with Jesse that he hasn't done enough to warrant an extension and a in a bigger buyout and all of that. Look, Marcus Freeman is not leaving because he believes in what he's building right now. Right. So I don't think it's necessary. Now, if he goes to the playoff and makes some noise next year, I think you can start having the conversation of an extension. But not yes. now. Not now. I think we're all completely on the same page. And I mean, first, if the, if Freeman's buyout is $4 million, well, Alabama's now apparently on the hook for Kalen DeBoer's $12 million buyout Oof, is what it's yeah. been reported. Like, if they want you bad enough, especially in that, you know, whether it's Alabama, Georgia, whoever, they want you, you know, beefing up, you know, even doubling the buyout to $8 million bucks, that's not going to do anything. And nope. I agree with exactly what you guys are saying it's like did charlie weiss not teach people anything because exactly. he won 19 games just like marcus freeman in his first two seasons and you know the exact same amount of wins then he proceeded to win 16 over the next three years and what did charlie Weiss do after one year he and his agent convinced kevin white well you got to pay me more because people are going to come be coming after me because of all the success that I'm having and look what it did them. You know, they ended up firing him again, you know, three years later and they ended up paying him for the next seven years, you know, while he was working at other places. It's, it just, you know, he turned a close call into USC into a big fat pay raise. And now, you know, the one thing like Weiss, at least in those first two years, like if you're going to compare Weiss to, to Freeman, yeah, they've got the same amount of wins, but remember, Weiss got him to a Fiesta Bowl and a Sugar Bowl, whereas Freeman got him Gator Bowl, Sun Bowl, and he needed those bowl games to, you know, to get to that next, sure. you know, to essentially match what Weiss did in those first two years. So I completely agree. Like, I'm not, you know, underselling what Marcus Freeman has done. I think we all think that he's on the right track, but the bottom line is I think this is a big year for Marcus Freeman, you know, in terms of you know, all these kind of conversations in terms of, is this a guy that maybe you reevaluate after this year? They, it's a 12-team playoff. You know, the playoff is expanding to 12 teams. 
and it's a more manageable schedule coming up in 24. So to me, it's it's playoff or bust for Marcus Freeman and for Notre Dame. And until that happens, then no, you absolutely don't consider some kind of bigger contract extension just because you're a little nervous that some might, you know, someone might come and snatch him away. It, uh, just you got to do a little bit more, I think, to get there first. It's it's an over it's an overreaction. I mean that it's an over and it's an overreaction by fans too. That's the other thing. It's not an overreaction by the administration or anybody that actually understands what's happening at Notre Dame. Like right, everybody's cool at Notre Dame right now. They're they're not worried about where things are, where things are going, what's going. Like they're all single minded, knowing what's going on. It's 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 the fringe fan base that's freaking out and. It's a good thing, obviously, that the fan base doesn't have control over firings and hirings and extensions because there there's there was no need for any movement whatsoever when it comes to Marcus Freeman at this point. Just there just wasn't. And if if Alabama was gonna come and overpay him to go down there and he wanted to go down there, there's nothing that would have stopped him from doing that. But it's just not the right fit for Marcus Freeman for a myriad of reasons. And so right. I was never worried about it. Yeah. You don't double down before he's truly proven himself. And I think this is absolutely year three with all the stuff. He's got the quarterback. He's got the new offensive coordinator. He's got a legit defense. He's got everything. You know, again, he's got a schedule that favors him. He's got all these things in his favor. This is this is prove it year, you know. So yeah. until oh, yeah. that happens, there's no reason to be thinking about extensions and all that kind of stuff. You you know, you've got to got to keep it fis- fiscally tight where they are right now. Yep. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So are you guys more concerned, though, that Freeman could leave Notre Dame for another job within the next couple of years after hearing, you know, his name pop up right away for Alabama? I think that there's a couple things to be considered in this one as well. 
Um, I, I think the reason why Marcus Freeman's name popped up on this radar while still being a relatively young head coach and only in his second season as a full-time head coach is that he's amongst the best recruiter in the country, right? And so I think that's what has gotten his name on the radar, not necessarily his coaching accolades or abilities. And I'm not saying either of those things are not up to par. I'm just saying the number one thing or the thing that makes him the most attractive is how well of a recruiter he is. And when you're talking about Alabama and the possible hemorrhaging of people leaving or coming in, his name makes sense because you need to continue to cycle in new recruits and he's amongst the best, uh, you know, recruiter um, in the nation. But you know, I don't feel like he was going to leave because of kind of what I, I think I mentioned earlier in the week with the NIL and the transfer portal, this whole playing field is so equal, right? And so if I'm Marcus Freeman and I'm still establishing myself as a head coach, why would I leave in year two after I've already started the momentum of building something just to go back down to ground zero at Alabama? If this was Alabama before the transfer portal and before the NIL, yeah, I would say that there should be a little bit more concern, but I feel like he's setting himself in and building that foundation at Notre Dame because it's going to take time. So why would you restart that process somewhere else? I think you have a better shot at what you started with your defensive coordinator, what you started in terms of recruiting, what you started in terms of the transfer portal, and now getting Mike Denbrock. I think that he is taking steps forward and technically going to Alabama would kind of be like restarting almost. So I didn't, I don't think that that we should really fear for those reasons. I'm looking past, obviously, this particular cycle and looking forward to jobs that could come open or, you know, whatever. And am I concerned that Marcus Freeman is going to take one of those jobs, right? I mean, look, I, I think, honestly, there's one job that you would be concerned that he would leave Notre Dame for, and that's Ohio State. Whether that's legitimate or not, that's my opinion that that would be the job that I would be most worried about. Other than that, everything that Jesse said, I think, applies to every other job in the country when it comes to Marcus Freeman, because he does have a very clear path and a very clear set of goals for Notre Dame. Plus I feel like he's very happy here specifically. Like I think, I think his family's happy here. I think he's happy here. I think he's finally getting the coaching staff to the way that he wants it. And I, and obviously the recruiting is going the way he wants it. I just feel like, you've really got to weigh the pros and cons of is the grass truly greener someplace right. else versus Notre Dame. And I don't think that it is. And I think that will, I think my point will even become more of a fact when he does restructure his contract and get an extension after a successful 24 season. And I'm not saying he's going to be one of the highest paid coaches, but he's going to be pretty darn high paid and it will rival well, with what, with, assuming with, assuming he hits some of these benchmarks that we're talking about. 100%. Yeah. And, and I'm assuming that he will. I guess that's what right. I'm saying. And so right. once he does that and he gets the extension and all of that, living in northern Indiana is a lot different than living other places in the country, obviously. <laughs> I think he's going to be very well compensated. Um, and so that won't even be an issue moving forward. Yeah, I just to add a quick point before we, you go um, – you know, when you listen to Saban in his interview the other day, he talked about his age becoming a factor and, and quite literally not being able to keep up with how much effort is going to be need to put in into Alabama year after year. And especially right. considering where that roster was at this season. And so, again, I feel like Marcus Freeman would have to like going to Alabama would be taking some steps down the mountain. You'd be going backwards and he'd have to work 
even harder. He's got so much established here at Notre Dame. It just doesn't make sense. And if Nick Saban's going to leave, why would anyone else theoretically want to, you know, step into that position? He's the greatest college coach over the last two decades. And if he's saying how hard and grueling it's going to be coming up, then I, I don't, how is that appealing to anyone else? Yeah, I completely agree with, you know, basically the points you guys have, have made. I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add to any of that. A lot of the points were the same points that I was going to make. Like to Jesse's point about the recruiting, I do think that's why his name came up so quickly in regards to Alabama, because that is a place where, you know, you're, you, 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 they're, they did an outstanding job. Nick Saban did an outstanding job. His staff did an outstanding job of recruiting. That's how, you know, part of how they were able to churn out so many NFL guys. It started with a high level of recruiting, a million five stars going through there. And I think that that, that is the biggest reason that, again, I don't think Pete Thamel was like, I don't think he got like sourced information that Marcus Freeman was, you know, being contacted by Alabama. I think that that was like we talked about the other day, just like everybody does. Well, here's a quick list of guys that I think would be good candidates. And I think that he, you know, he came to Thamel's mind first because of the recruiting job that he has done so far here at Notre Dame and the way that people are drawn to him much in the same way you know, Pete Carroll was, was, was able to do at USC. That's why Pete Carroll, you know, like if you go back and look at the early days of Pete Carroll and you look at the early days of Nick Saban, the reason those programs were floundering was because recruiting first and foremost was not what it was supposed to be. And they got him elevated first with the recruiting. And I mean, it was a quick turnaround for Pete Carroll. It was a quick turnaround for Nick Saban, but their, you know, their, their unique personalities and their ability to recruit was, was how it got there. Go ahead, Vince. I I will also say that one of the reasons that Marcus Freeman's name came up one, because he's at Notre Dame. And he, and, well, and, and that's, the spotlight that's that is on Notre too. Dame, right? I mean, and, and the spotlight that is on Notre Dame has totally proven that Marcus Freeman is a pretty stinking charismatic guy as well. Right. Says the right things, does the right things. He's well, a family again, man. Like the like recruiting, there are a lot of people. Of yeah, there are a lot of people in that footprint who think that, you know, you still can't win big at Notre Dame and, and recruit right to Notre Dame. And I think the right. fact that Marcus Freeman has had the success that he has, you know, again, says a lot to a lot of people across the sport. Sure. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, it seemed like that's where you were going with it. But, you know, again, like the Kalen DeBoer. So now Kalen DeBoer, according to, you know, to all the reports, you know, is, is about to tell his team in Washington that he is moving on. He's going to Alabama after these other names came up this week and you know someone was asking how Kalen DeBoer does in recruiting I mean not he's not a horrible recruiter but just like we said about a week ago the two teams that won their semifinal games of the teams in there were you know the lower rated recruiting teams that were in the playoffs you know part of what Kalen DeBoer has done he is he has navigated the transfer portal very well you know he obviously had the connection to Penix, but he's also got a track record of success pretty much everywhere that he's been. But, you know, again, like the transfer portal part of it will play at Alabama, but I do think the recruiting thing is going to be a question for him going down just based on his short time at Washington. I think, I think it has been more about, 
you know, keeping some veterans and and getting the right kind of transfers, obviously starting with Michael Penix, you know, that that really kind of put them over the top in a short amount of time there at Washington. Yeah, I don't think we have enough information to know that he's a great recruiter, a mediocre recruiter, or a bad recruiter, right? I think, yeah. you know, he's, pro- he's probably going to take a bunch of his guys from Washington down to – uh down to Alabama um you know I, I would not be surprised by that I mean we know DeMarcus Shepard is a is a really good you know wide receiver coach slash recruiter uh we know that you know defensive backs have been highly recruited at, at Washington you know so we know that there's pieces and parts of that but I'm very curious to see how he does in the long term when it comes to recruiting because I agree with you I think a lot of that was done in the portal um and so he just hasn't had the, a long enough track record as a recruiter, as a head coach for mm-hmm. me. Kalen DeBoer also has one, the one and only Shaq Van, so nothing can go wrong. <laughs> as of now, he has what Shaq Vance. He's heading out of Tuscaloosa. South That's Bend the first zone. thing I thought of. We'll have to we'll have to keep track of that, and you know, you know, Vince, you said if they won the national championship, maybe we'd have Shaq on, but. If Shaq follows him to uh, to Tuscaloosa, I think we need to uh, look at maybe having the South Bend native Shaq fan on the show in the near future. Yeah. Joe was asking what Denbrock's buyout is. From what I understand, Denbrock's buyout was a little under $400,000 at LSU. And if he had signed the contract extension, which he obviously didn't sign, which made everything more manageable, it would have bumped up to around one and a half million, you know, like in that, ballpark but because he hadn't signed the extension it was a little under four hundred thousand dollars i think is the number can you uh can you pull up that most recent salty uh comment in the chat i, I think it, it kind of segues to something um here so he wants to know you know recruit he says recruiting is a combination of what you're selling and how you sell it the board was selling washington now he's selling, selling alabama his effectiveness effectiveness will go up while I agree, I think Alabama's appeal was Nick Saban for the longest time. And so now that Nick Saban is gone and you introduce the portal and NIL, I don't know how attractive Alabama is compared to what it was five years ago. Kellen DeBoer has a lot to prove down there. You know, I've, When we were talking about Nick Saban, when the news broke a couple of days ago with him retiring, I said it then, I'll say it, say it now. He had 16 consecutive seasons of 10-plus wins. From 1972 to 2005, 16 total seasons of 10-plus wins for Alabama football teams. What he did was unprecedented. There were three, you know, there were a lot of bad coaches who came before him at Alabama. He is the exception, not the rule. And whether it was going to be Kalen DeBoer or anyone else, there's a lot to prove by taking this over. And, and it's, you know, like he's going to get a big paycheck. But there's there's I mean, big the ultimate to step into. There's going to be major. There's going to be even more expectations than Nick Saban had walking in the door. I'll tell you that yeah. much. Big time. So it's not a guarantee that you're just going to walk in the door, and because it's Alabama now, you know Nick Saban definitely he elevated that program for a long time, the six national championships. So I mean, what did you guys think about Tommy Reese? reportedly being in the mix down there. What did you think when you heard that? I thought it logistically made sense. You know, you have a young offensive coordinator on staff. It's a guy that's been there for a little bit. I I just – I think when I say logistically, I mean that 
you're always going to so – whoever's in-house is always going to be a candidate, whether or not they're technically qualified or not. It's like kind of like going – it's like – to me, it's like the NFL checklist sometimes where you have to interview X amount of people for this reason or that reason. or You know what I mean? He, he's – I feel like he was just a name that you say that checks off a box to say that you did it almost. Interesting. Uh, I completely disagree. I was shocked that that was the case. He is in no way, shape, or form ready to be a head coach at the power five level. So um, that shocked me. And, and especially because even, even Pete Thamel with his ridiculous throw, you know, pasta against the wall and see if it sticks <laughs> list of coaches that he put out when it initially happened, didn't even say Tommy Reese. He literally said with no legitimate internal candidates, here's who is a candidate. And right. It was nobody on the staff. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that part of it was true. The rest of it was, I'm just going to see what happens. But the first part, I think, was absolutely accurate. It, he, he, there's, he had zero chance of getting that job. Marcus Freeman was more of an opportunity to get that job than Tommy Reese was. Yeah, I would have been shocked. I would have been more shocked than if than than Rocky Balboa going the distance with Apollo Creed. You know, like it's if if Tommy Reese had gotten that job, a lot of people think that he failed up here from Notre Dame just to get to Alabama, and then he did his MacGyver job. You know, using paper clips and duct tape and all that stuff to to get Jalen Milrow and that offense into a you know sure. into into the college football playoff. You know, so to go from that to follow potentially the greatest, you know, coach in college football history probably is, you know, I just, I think the tide might've just rolled right into the Gulf of Mexico if Tommy Reese ended up being hired as head coach. I mean, he's very young still, and he's still a coordinator and, you know, like 31 years old, like it's, it's right. amazing how young he is still when you sit back and think about it. Right. Right. The only yeah, thing like I ever had a, is, is like low, like, you know, Mac maybe, or, you know, something along those lines, like group of five, you know, possibility, I guess. Uh, if that's even what he wants to do, I don't even know if it's what he wants to do. I wanted to go back because I saw this kind of floated out there today. Kalen DeBoer is leaving Washington. There's a fairly successful coach right across town in Seattle who's not a head coach right now. What do you think about uh -huh. Pete Carroll? going back to college maybe wouldn't oh. that be crazy <laughs> it wow. would be crazy but i just i i don't think that i think once he left usc the college was behind him in the rearview mirror for the rest of time and i don't know what his situation looks like in seattle because you know i know he was relieved of his duties as head coach but it sounded like there was still going to be some sort of you know position for him in management as well and so i i just I think he's an NFL guy now. While there's like you know a, a possibility, I just think he's he's an NFL guy. I think the NCAA would just come back and park, you know, like right there in downtown, like in the needle there in Seattle, just waiting for Pete Carroll if that were to happen. <laughs> but I think yeah, you're right. I mean, he's been in the NFL yeah. for so long now, but uh, it was an interesting, you know, little little proposition I saw. So, longtime college basketball writer Mike DeCourcy says Nick Saban should have given Alabama a longer runway of notice to prepare for the future and allow his successor to begin recruiting for the future during this past season, whether th rather than 
you know, drop the news here after the season was over. He says, you know, similar to what Coach K did, you know, when in his retirement season, his swan song with John Shire waiting in the wings, you know, Gene Cady, they had the coach in waiting with Matt Painter several years back. So do you guys buy or sell that notion that Nick Saban owed Alabama more than what he gave them? Uh, first of all, how do we know that Nick Saban didn't let them know earlier? Number one. Number two, no, he doesn't owe them anything. <laughs> Alabama owes him. They don't he doesn't owe them squat. I, I I no, absolutely not. I mean, do look, Notre Dame almost beat Duke with the roster that they've got. So how did that succession program work over at Duke? Okay. So I don't think that we're looking at a path of super success with the whole, you know, road to succession type of thing. I, I, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Nick and it's not like Matt. Fl- it's not like Matt Painter turned Purdue into a you know national contender in the first two years. It right. It took Matt Painter several years to get that program to where it is. Exactly. Right yeah, hundred percent agree. I'm a sell on this one. Nick Saban gave Alabama six championships, and that is, you know, that's more than enough. But I think my biggest point would be if Nick Saban had said something maybe in the middle of the season, before the season, listen, the biggest way to keep a secret is to not tell anyone. And as soon as you tell one person, it's going to start leaking like a wildfire. And so then you're going to have to be dealing with that throughout the season. You have to deal with your players constantly you know, in questioning, is he staying? Is he leaving? The media questioning him, is he staying or is he leaving? And that becomes the central talking point rather than focusing on football, the players and the goals at hand that season. Right. And so, again, while I think that, you know, you can, you know, maybe tell some some people some things in secrecy, it never, ever was going to um, stay behind closed doors. It was going to get out. People would have found out and then it was spread. And every that's that would have been the talking point all season. So, that's kind of my main factor for why he doesn't need to say anything. Yeah, it's a sell for me as well. I mean, first and foremost, coaches like Saban and Coach K are the exception. They're not the rule. Very few coaches get exactly. to go out on their own terms. Exhibits A and B, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, both in the same week. You know, they yeah. they both would have preferred to stay where they were, right? So Nick Saban doesn't know Alabama anything, you know, for more than – Anything more than six national championships and the billions, literally billions of dollars that he made for the school and the state over the last 16 years. Anyone can be fired at any time and no employee owes his employer anything more than the best work that they're capable of while they're employed by said employer. I mean, same but different. Look at Mike Vrabel right now. The owner decided he was becoming, you know, kind of like. Too much power, I guess, internally. And because she writes the checks, she knows more than football than him is basically what she said this week. He won three division championships with Ryan Tannehill, and she thinks that Will Levis is the future. Okay, well, we'll see how it works because, you know, they made the change down there. And, you know, very few coaches get to go out on their own terms. Nick Saban got to, and considering how quickly things have moved in the past three days, kind of like what Vince alluded to, Right off the top, I mean, I think he gave him more than just, you know, like, I, I don't think that he walked into Greg Byrne's office and, you know, just dropped the news a couple of days ago. Right. And Greg Byrne has moved and found his head coach by the end of the week. I think that, you know, he and the AD have probably had some conversations over the last few weeks or even, you know, a couple yeah. months that, that maybe this was coming. And, 
that's why they are where they are right right now. but they don't move they don't yeah. move as fast as they did unless they knew what was coming you know what right. i mean like there's no right. way there's no and way. i don't think you know a part of that big coach k last season was it just got drawn out right and everywhere it went it was this huge spectacle i don't think nick saban's that kind of guy i think he literally just wants to coach football and then when it's time to be done, it's time to be done. I don't think he wants yeah. to be going to every stadium and everyone recognizing Nick Saban and all this stuff and him getting his final goodbye. Like, he doesn't care about that stuff. It doesn't matter to him. What matters to right. him is winning football games. Yeah, it's right. like, you know, I, installing I the defense that. on Wednesday. You know, like that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand... I honestly can't stand the farewell tours. I can't stand them. You know, like it's kind of ego maniac, maniac to me. Yeah, and it you know you like these baseball players that announce like this is my last season, you know, and then like every team that they go to has to give them a gift. Right? Like, do these multi million multi millionaires need gifts from every city that? <laughs> well, they then, and then, like, then you see like what the A's gave to I think Albert Pujols, and everyone's criticizing. Well, you know, oh, you didn't give him enough, and it's like, what do you mean, like? <laughs> A gift is a gift. Now we're judging what kind of gift. Right. Right. You right. get nothing. Sorry. Right. Yeah, a couple different things. Uh, Irish Steel 63. Pete, he says, Pete Carroll's moving to the front office. He's moving to the front office because he was removed as head coach. If he could still right. be the head coach, he would be the head coach. And if a coaching opportunity comes up that he thinks is suitable, he'll leave that. I mean, it's basically he's still under contract, so they're giving him a position you know, to continue to make money rather than just pay him money to do nothing. Um, Andy Saylor, they're all talking Vrabel to Ohio State. I mean, this is this is an interesting one, and I don't think that's going to happen like right now, but it definitely lights another fire under Ryan Day, <laughs> you know, with sure. Mark Vrabel becoming available, and especially since Vrabel is not going to the Patriots now since Gerard Mayo is going to be the head right. coach, you know. You know, it's like, again – you know, like Robert Kraft obviously had things in motion before he made his final decision with Bill Belichick because he's already got his head coach and internal candidate, which, you know, I'm sure that, you know, they've got a lot more, you know, exposure to Gerard Mayo out there, but you're talking about making a position coach, a head coach right away. That's a pretty big leap as well, but he knows the Patriot way, I guess. Yes, he does. So it, speaking yeah, of... You know, big hot candidates and everything else. If you were an NFL team, would you have more interest in Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick right now? Oh, I've been waiting for this question all day, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. So I'm going to take the mic on this I'm one. Now, which way you're going to go with it? I yeah. Know. So I I got to stick with. So here's here's what the biggest knock on Bill Belichick is is it was a Brady-driven situation. And you've seen stuff, people saying, oh, players, you know, reported to Bill Belichick, but they played for Tom Brady. And that that's all fine or well, right? Like, I don't think that either, like, Tom Brady needed Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick needed Tom Brady. But the common denominator that no one wants to talk about was two decades of the Bill Belichick defense that also kept them, you know, in a lot of these games. Over the last two decades, they were the one of the, like, the, I think they, they averaged, you know, something like, I think, 10 points or something given up on defense. I don't know what it is. I don't know the exact stat. But Bill Belichick led those teams with really good defense. He's, he's a tremendous defensive mind. And so while you have Tom Brady, you still need excellent defense to be considered in the NFL, right? 
Bill Belichick's the same guy that broke Sean McVay's offense, who, you know, no one else could get figured out for the longest time. And so when you're talking about one of the greatest defensive minds in the NFL, I think that you have to consider I mean, that wherever he goes is a big, you know, that's a big, that's a big point. I don't disagree with that, but he also made the decision to draft Mac Jones in the first round a couple of years ago, right? Like that was the yeah. first quarterback they've taken in the first round. And he went with Mac Jones based on, you know, a lot of input from Nick Saban, I'm sure, by the way. But you still have to have a quarterback to win. And I've, you know, I do think that they go hand in hand, but all those things you talked about defensively, Jess, if they only have Mac Jones for the last 12 years instead of Tom Brady, you're, you're taking a couple Super Bowl championships away from the Patriots. You still have to have the quarterback. And, you know, that's, that's like, to me, it's got to be the right situation. Like to me, the only situation that makes the complete sense right now is the chargers because they've got a ready-made quarterback and they've got, you know, a, a decent enough roster. You know, now there are other potential landing spots where he could go, where they could draft a quarterback, but you know, the guy's not a spring chicken. I think you're still a few years away from really winning in that situation. I would go with Harbaugh because he has had success at multiple stops with different kinds of quarterbacks, you know, two college stops, one at Stanford where they hadn't ever won one at San Francisco where they were down before he got there. And he got to the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick, you know, and like Colin Kaepernick, right? Like <laughs> he got to the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick and he just won a national championship, and, you know, and Michigan had been down. So to me, I'm going with Jim Harbaugh, Venture the tiebreaker. This is an absolute no-brainer. I appreciate the input from both of you. Uh, one of you is dead wrong. <laughs> I'm going to take uh, having a strong defense over a guy that has you, offensive you can you know, take having inclination. A strong all, you can take having a strong defense all you want because uh, last time I checked, Bill Belichick has been terrible since Tom Brady left. Their, their teams have been terrible. And it doesn't matter whether they have a good defense or otherwise, they can't win games. And so I would not take him. I don't think he's been successful enough recently. Jim Harbaugh has. I'm taking Jim Harbaugh all day long, and I'm writing a welcome to retirement card to Bill Belichick. <laughs> like, you were great. You were awesome. Enjoy your retirement. I'm going with the crazy guy from up north. Look, and it's still – you know, Jesse and I have kind of gone back and forth about this before. You don't keep a quarterback for 20 years in the NFL the way Belichick and the Patriots kept Tom Brady. He gave them discounts forever. You know, that's part of why he ultimately, you know, one, he ultimately got tired of the, you know, with of Belichick, but he also wanted to get a big paycheck and go someplace else and see what he could do. The fact that they didn't have to give the quarterback that, you know, that massive paycheck like the Chiefs are giving Patrick Mahomes right now like the Cowboys are giving Dak Prescott and any quarterback who gets to that second contract they never had to do that Brady gave them discounts forever and that allowed them to you know spend money in other places on the roster that's a big part of why they were able to keep that dynasty intact as long as they did so I, like Belichick is still a great head coach I'm not trying to take anything away from him but like for right now for where they are in their careers. And yes, you do have to figure age into it, you know, and, and everything yeah. else I would go with Harbaugh over Belichick.
right now. And it, w- it wouldn't but, even be a long decision. It really wouldn't would it, be. I'm sorry. Would it, but like, how do you how do you follow up Tom Brady in New England? No one was going to follow up what he did, and now you're at the point where you're ready to move on from Mac Jones. Like you can't can't just close him off after one year. And I get that they've struggled, but it's it seems more that than this one was, year he's had three. no I, I know but i'm saying like you you can't just get rid of mac jones because he struggled for one year you draft him in the first round you still have to give him his opportunity and so this this trial has failed and it's hard to hit on quarterbacks in the nfl and so you know getting that next quarterback i think would have been the real kind of test because if you fail on two quarterbacks back to back then i have more you know understanding but again i i, I get it that mac jones was bill belichick's choice but it's hard. No one was going to follow up to Brady. And two, it's already hard to find a good to draft a good quarterback that's NFL ready. Like, look at all these teams that have struggled. Well, the Bears have struggled. The, the the Falcons have struggled. The Panthers. But I mean, have struggled. He, everyone is struggling he, at the quarterback position. Beyond just the quarterback, he's made some bad. You know, these these last what three drafts or four drafts or what he's made some bad decisions with the drafts. You know, like he's made some bad. He was a big like if. You know, there's the big discussion. If you're just if you're just going to hire him as a coach and take the personnel duties away from him, then you know that's that's probably you know those are those are two different things. Just as a coach, there, there's no doubt, Jess. Bill Belichick is a great defensive mind. I mean, you know, like he was, you know, like one of the masterminds of those Giants of the '80s and you know, like the early whatever year that was. Was that '90 or '91? You know, when they when they beat the Bills. In the Super Bowl, I mean, he was a big part of the reason why. Before he moved on to become a head coach, I'm not taking anything away from him as a defensive coach, but you know, again, for where they are right now, I would I would push my chips over to the Jim Harbaugh side of the table. Well, and and age does have something to do with it. I mean, right. Bill Belichick. Yeah, and that would be my kind of biggest overturning factor: is one guy's old and one guy's you know, younger and hot right now. Well, he's 60. I mean, it's 60 versus 71, right? And so that does make a difference. It just does. And I'm not willing to allow – if I'm the Patriots and I've had all this success, right, I'm just not willing to allow, okay, you failed with one quarterback. We gave him three years or whatever it's been. You want to let him have another shot at another quarterback, take another three years, and then move on? Like, no, we're good here time to time to turn the page yeah concur concur so there's been some talk the last couple of years about a draft lottery for the nfl similar to what the nba's been doing for several years what mlb major league baseball just added how about this twist i saw as an alternative and jesse actually saw this and sent it to me the two worst teams in the nfl play the thursday night before the wild card weekend and the winner Gets the number one overall pick in the draft. Do you buy or sell it? Uh, this one's a buy for me because I think if you want to deter, you know, overall one, it gives us something to look forward to. It's like the it's like the appetizer before the main course of opening the NFL playoffs. So that concept itself is pretty sweet. And then second of all, when you have team when when you're you know there's this fear of teams absolutely tanking, you still have to win that kind of game at the end with your overall roster. So I think. If you're some of the two poorer teams, you just keep losing, losing. Well, you know, there at the end, you still actually have to win something to kind of, you know, win that that final, you know, the number one pick essentially. And so I, I kind of I just I, I like the idea of battling it out for the number one pick. You should have to kind of earn it a little bit more outside of, you know, potentially just tanking. 
This is a huge buy for me. Number one, I get another football game to watch on a night when there wasn't going to be any football. That's a huge buy all by itself. And it's a buy also because I think that game would be a lot of fun to watch, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, yeah, it's still the two worst teams in the NFL, right? But it's still NFL football. Those teams are still, you know what I mean? Oh. And, and it's not like watching the two worst teams in NCAA Oh, we're starting to lose Vince. Here's the question I want to know. Oh, there, there he is. Oh. There he is. Here's the okay. question I want to know. Like, one, I, I I buy this. I think it's a very intriguing idea. And basically, you know, you you can you, you give the players a paycheck just like playoff teams are going to get paychecks because it's going to be on TV. It can't be worse than most of the Amazon Thursday night games throughout the season, <laughs> right? So even though it's a couple of bad, you know, you throw them on there. But, like, in this year's case specifically, the Bears have the number one pick, but they got the draft pick, you know, from the Panthers from last year's draft. So who's playing in that game? Do the Are the Panthers playing in that game because it's – you know, technically their pick that's been traded or are the bears playing in that game because they're getting the pick? Mm. I think whoever owns the pick, whoever owns the pick. Yeah. Cause it's your organization fighting for it. Right. I, I, right. I, that's kind of how I would lean, but you know, it, while yeah, we I'm also on the boat of whoever kind of owns the pick. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be really intriguing. And, you know, and again, you know, there might be some pushback from the players. It's like, oh, we stink. We're out of here, and you know, whatever else. But you give them a, you give them some, you know, money that's comparable to to wild card round playoff money, extra paychecks. I think it would be. I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty intriguing idea. Well, people Whether in the chat are talking about, it. you know, players opting out. This, it, it's quite the opposite. These players care because you're going to be you know, essentially winning the position to get the best player in college football. Yeah. Players don't have to care. I mean, they don't have to care in week 18 either, but they have to go out there and play because they're getting paid. And if you write it into the contracts that you're putting this in there, then they have to go out and play. It's just, it's part of being a professional football player. That's just part of the deal. They don't have to care about it. It's just, you know, most of this, most of this is just for show anyway. It's literally just a TV product, you know, to the right. NFL. I mean, that's literally what most of it is. You know, you can say it's for competition and the fans and championships and everything else. But the fact that they're willing to flex games potentially from a Thursday, you know, all the way to a Sunday or Monday night because it might, you know, one of them might be a better TV product. It just shows that they don't care about the 80,000 fans who are buying tickets and traveling and showing up to the games. They care about the 20 plus million who are going to watch it on TV. That's what it yep. comes down to. And this would be and, and, an intriguing right. TV product going into wildcard weekend. Listen, so, as much as I wanted to opt out of working today, I still had to show up to collect the paycheck. <laughs> All right. Speaking of NFL playoffs, we've got wildcard re weekend coming up. Which is the more intriguing return to their old team this weekend? Matt Stafford and the Rams going back to Detroit or Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins going to Kansas City? It is, Vince. Oh, this one's easy for me. Um, it's it's Stafford going back to Detroit. I think that one has more storylines for me. Plus, I, 
I just think the weather might neutralize Tyreek Hill in this game too. And so I don't know how effective he's even going to be, to be perfectly honest with you, with all the, the forecasts that you've heard about what it's going to be down in Kansas City. So, you know, it's going to be Stafford to Detroit. Stafford meant more to the fans in Detroit than Tyreek Hill, I think, overall, you know, meant to the fans in Kansas City. I know he was a good, great player for them. I get all of that. But Stafford was the face of that franchise for a decade and then left and won a Super Bowl. Like, that's the bigger storyline. Finally, something Vince and I can agree on in this this, this segment <laughs> of Friday Fire. Um, Tyreek Hill doesn't matter. He left and became the highest paid wide receiver in you know NFL history, if I'm not wrong. Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford means more to the Lions than I don't know what. Like, if you talk to every Lions fan, if there is one player this last decade that they worship and idolize, it is Matt Stafford, right? And so Matt Stafford is coming back to a place where he'll end up in the ring of honor. He, Every Lions fan will always – he'll probably retire as a Lion, right? And so we're talking about a guy that never won a playoff game for the Lions but was an incredible quarterback and continuously got them right to the edge every time. And so, you know, I hate it, but it's it, I've been telling people this all week. He's like the long-lost lover coming back to the Lions, <laughs> and he's going to stab them in the heart by beating them and winning his first playoff game ever in Detroit. And that's exactly what's going to happen this weekend. So it 100% means more to Lions fans because he is going to wreck them after their Cinderella season this year. Oh, DK, DK trying the revisionist history now. I'm a Lions oh, fan. Yeah. We hated Stafford. Oh, uh-huh. hey, come sure you on. did. Sure you did. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So – this is the off-season debate I'm waiting for. Detroit needs to trade for Matthew Stafford so they can get over the hump and get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's going to be the storyline coming out of this weekend when the Rams go in there and Matt Stafford beats the Lions. They're going to jettison Jared Goff again. You know, I commend Jared Goff for doing what he did. I mean, you know, he he got the Rams to the Super Bowl the first time, and Sean McVay decided they needed to move on. They pulled off this trade. Year one, obviously the Rams win the Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. There were no expectations for the Lions. Dan Campbell resurrects the program. First home playoff game in 30 years. And that's, I'm not convinced that the Rams are going to go in there and win. I'm leaning toward the Rams, but I can see that coming out of the weekend if that's what ends up happening. We need to get Matt Stafford back sweet so, so we can go farther. In the playoffs, we've got to make a change at quarterback. I can Listen, see it the Rams, The Rams have a better defense than the Lions. They have a more experienced quarterback. They have Cooper Cup and, and the, 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 the guy who just set the NFL season record for receiving yards as a rookie. They have Sean McVay as their offensive coordinator. If I'm a Lions fan, I'm shaking in my boots this weekend because what do you have that's better than the Lions? Realistically, what do you have that's better than the Lions defensively or offensively? And I just – I don't think you can say anything. Jesse, do you have that photo? <laughs> yeah, I do have that photo. Let's see it. This wasn't my choice. I was just told to, to have it ready. Yeah, I've just decided since DK is fired up right now. There it is. Aiden Hutchinson trying to trip Tyler Schoonemaker. You can see up there in the backfield, see that leg extended out there? The flag was thrown on the Dallas Cowboy in that 
on that play after Tony Pollard <laughs> gained almost eight yards on that carry. Yep. Yep. But we're all going to complain about illegal substitution. Okay, cool. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday's Michigan-Washington National Championship game drew 25 million viewers, the most since LSU and Clemson drew tw- over 26 million four years ago. So my question to you guys, Saturday night's, tomorrow night's Chiefs-Dolphins game is going to be broadcast exclusively on the Peacock app. Notre Dame fans familiar with the Peacock app. It's only on the Peacock app. Will that game top the Michigan-Washington national championship game number of 25 million viewers. I think it's going to be really close. I was looking at some of the numbers last season, the opening round of the playoffs um, averaged 28 and a half million viewers the year before it was just about 30 million viewers. So this 25 million, 26 million is right in that ballpark. It's just a matter of how many people want to commit to Peacock to watch the chiefs and dolphins. And so unless you're a chiefs or dolphins fan, I don't know if you're going to commit buying Peacock just because you're a casual fan that wants to watch the game. So I think it's going to be very close, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's in kind of like the the 22 to kind of 24 million type range. Well, if we know anything about Peacock, you're never going to know what the number was after the fact anyway. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Vince. Thank you. <laughs> but I Thank you say- for crossing the line with it because, yeah, I mean – how many it'll, how many Notre Dame be, games have we have? We've never heard yeah. the numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. But if it's over twenty million, we'll hear about it. I guarantee well, you that. That's a good point. I, look, <laughs> the, the bottom line for me is it's going to be way under that number because there's just not going to be enough. Number one, with the, the this, it's going to be people are talking about what they think the bottom two teams in the NFL playing each other would be bad football. This is going to be terrible football. It's going to be bad football. It's supposed and, to be really bad weather, like sub-zero wind chill. It's basically supposed to be like, if you remember, the old Bengals and Chargers AFC right. champion. Well, you were still a young pup back then, Vince. But, yeah, the, the game in Cincinnati <laughs> that was below zero when Kenny Anderson and, and the Bengals beat the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl. It's supposed to be pretty close to that this weekend yeah. in Kansas City. It, I just don't – it's going to be bad football. And I, I'm not paying money to watch that game. There's no way. Is it sun? It's Sunday night too, isn't it? Tomorrow night, Saturday night. Oh, is it tomorrow night? Okay. Yes. Um, well, that sucks because I'm going to be stuck in the hotel room. I would have watched that game if it was actually on. <laughs> um, but no, I'm not buying Peacock to watch that game. I'm just not going. Vince, to. Phone a friend that has Peacock. 
It's going to be very similar, though, for a lot of people. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Michael asks, Peacock only? Yes. And I actually called my dad <laughs> to let him know a couple of days ago so they could start making plans. And this is your public service announcement. The Chiefs-Dolphins game, if you plan on watching it Saturday night, it is only on the Peacock app. So tell me this, because maybe the Notre Dame fans tell me why. can fill me in on this. And I don't know, like... For the Notre Dame games that were streamed on Peacock, do you have to have the premium or do you just wow. have to have the basic app? Do you guys know? I think you just have I, to have the basic one. Okay. I didn't sign up for the premium. I, I haven't canceled it yet, and I pay like $5 a month, and that gets me the game once a year when Notre Dame is on Peacock. Okay. That's a good question. I don't know. Father David says it's on cable in Canada. I'm impressed. Oh. That they have it in Canada. Michael also says Peacock Premium, apparently, to watch the Notre well, Dame games. Joe says basic. Joe says he does basic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just mass confusion, is what it is. Yep. By the way, the highest rated streaming game that Amazon has had, this is the second season for the NFL Thursday night games on Amazon that, you know, the exclusive. Streaming Cowboys Seahawks a little more than 15 million. So that yeah, is the no most chance. that a streaming service has ever done. I think it'll get 20. I think it'll get close to 20 million. I don't think it'll go, I don't think it'll go over 20 million, though. Like personally, like the stuff that you talked about, Vince, the weather and all that stuff, that makes me want to watch it even more because I think I think snow and weather as a backdrop makes a makes a really, really uh compelling viewing product when I'm watching the playoffs. I just used to watching the Chiefs games in, in the <laughs> in January. I I just pulled up the uh, my Peacock app because I used to get Peacock with Xfinity and they did away with it. Um, but premium is going to cost you $5.99 a month. And then premium plus is $11.99 a month. And it comes with the premium package. Okay. Some people are saying basic. Well, it, that's what it is. Group. It, there is there is no basic. It's premium or premium plus. That's it. okay. So premium is basic. So premium right. is basic, basically. Correct. Okay. Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta know the, the lingo. So essentially, if you have the app, it's the lingo. You're yeah. able to watch Peacock products. You will be able to watch the football game. Right. Premium plus just means there's no ads. Okay. Okay. The 2007 New York Giants and the 2011 Green Bay Packers are two of the more recent examples of wild card teams that got hot late in the season and won the Super Bowl. Is there a team in this year's playoffs that you see potentially fitting that mold? Um, is it strictly wild card teams? Well, how about teams that are playing this weekend? Yeah, so, I mean, this is wild card weekend, so any team right. playing this weekend. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I think that there, if there is a team that best fits this mold, it's the Buffalo Bills. They had to go on a bender to end the season just to get in, um, and there was a possibility if they didn't beat, you know, beat Miami last weekend that they weren't even going to get in at all. But it, as things kind of turned out, it, you know, whoever won that game was going to win the division and the other team was going to end up being in the wild card. Um, I think the Buffalo Bills, if we're, you know, picking a team that best matches getting hot right before the playoffs, it's the Bills. They've been playing playoff games their last five or six, you know, games. They had to win all of those just to have a chance. And now they're in. And so 
I think that they've kind of gotten things steered back in the right direction. They got over, you know, getting rid of the offensive coordinator, et cetera. So to me, it's the the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'm going to – honestly, I'm going to go with the Rams. I, I think they've got all the pieces and parts to make a run. Um, I, I think they could actually do it. I think they can they can run the ball effectively. They've got a lot of experience. I, I think Shut it up, be the Rams. <laughs> yeah, I'm, of course I'm talking about Kyron. I think they could do it. No, and I agree with you, Vince. The, the Rams' defense is a lot better than what it was at the beginning of the season. Their offense is finally healthy. They have a re- they have to me one of the best legit like legit consistent running attacks in the league. It feels like Kyron Williams is racking up a hundred yards and a touchdown just about every game. And then you combine the experience that Matt Stafford has of playing in the league for 13, 14 years, you know, in that Super Bowl run that they made a few years ago. I do buy the Rams also being up there as well. Yeah, the Rams are kind of where I'm leaning. I do think it's a big question of can they run the ball against Dan Campbell and, you know, Glenn and and this uh, defense. What are you laughing at, Jess? <laughs> I, I do think that that's going to be a big question. The Rams have to run the ball against the Lions. I think that's the matchup of that game. But I do feel like – like. Jess and I were talking earlier this week. The Rams were not the team that I wanted the Cowboys to have to play in that last weekend when they beat San Francisco and the other dominoes fell. When they got pushed to, you know, up there to Detroit, I was not disappointed at all. There were some other good examples, like, like uh, John was saying, the Steelers. I'm just no not, way. You know, Mason no Rudolph. Chance. I just. I, you, I think you really think no Mason Rudolph leading yeah. you through the playoffs, and no TJ Watt is leading you through the play? Like that right. combination is leading you through the playoffs. And there's no right. chance. The Cleveland Browns, though, I did see the Browns mentioned. They're favored going on the road this weekend. One of two road teams, I think, that are favored this weekend. The Browns are really intriguing with Joe Flacco, man. Like what Stefanski has done up there. Vince is shaking his head. <laughs> But that those are my two Rams, Rams, Browns are my two. The thing with Flacco is it's his exact mold mold that he won the the Super Bowl with the Ravens with. The the Browns have a top two, three defense in the league. Miles Garrett is basically, you know, what Ray Lewis was to that defense for the Ravens. All Joe Flacco has to do is steer the ship, hand the ball off, and not not turn the ball over. So I I think the the Browns are potentially in it to kind of make a little bit of a run here. Yeah, that's when I was left. I think they've got a chance to go to the AFC Championship game. I don't. I, I see that kind of where they DK where they the Lions' defense is more than suspect. That secondary is garbage. But you guys didn't want to draft <laughs> Kyle Hamilton, and now he's an All Pro. So good luck. Good thing you grabbed Jeff Akuda. Uh, do you guys have a three-game parlay for this weekend's playoff games that you want to? I'm an overachiever and came with two. So okay, of course you did. <laughs> I have a prop one and I have a money line one. The first one, money lines, Cowboys money line, Bills money line, Browns money line. Puts you at like plus 160. I like that one. Three legs, pretty solid. Um, And then my player props, I have Chris Godwin over on his receiving yards because the Eagles are horrible at defending the slot and they have the worst secondary um, in defense right now. Or sorry, worst, yeah, worst secondary in the league right now. Uh, my next one is Jake Ferguson, the tight end for the Cowboys, over. Um, the Packers have a hard time guarding the tight end up the seam, and that's that's Dak's favorite ball to, to, to Ferguson is that seam ball. So I think his over is going to hit. And then the last over that I would go with, um, it was another tight end. Oh, Dalton Schultz 
um, over against the Browns because the Browns defense gives up a lot of receptions to the tight end as well. And so that was my other three-leg parlay on props. Okay, two of them, two of them. Bar said hi, Vince. Vince is like, uh. <laughs> no, I, well, I had one because that's what I was asked to do. But uh, <laughs> I, I got the Texans plus the two. I think they're going to win outright, but I'll take the points if they're going to give them to me. I will take the Cowboys on the money line, and I will also, contrary to my last statement, we'll take the Lions on the money line as well. <laughs> Ooh, Vince going back against himself. He thinks the Rams can win, but he's taking the Lions. Are you just trying to please DK or your father-in-law on this one? <laughs> I, You know what? I've been watching a lot of the Lions lately. I think they got a little something cooking, man, and they got this home game. And my father-in-law was actually at the last game of the season at home, and he was talking about the crowd and just how starved those fans have been for a winner. I think they got a shot, man. I, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win. Yep. Indy Saylor says Jesse should do a betting show. I mean, you know, get us a get us a sponsor, and we'll we'll uh, we'll hook that up. Uh, we can do. There's a lot we can do with that. Find it. Okay, so here's a little nugget that I read about today. Unders in the playoffs hit 59% of the time. So Kansas City, Miami, the over-under is 44. They only combined yes. to score, I think it was like 34 when they played in perfect conditions Smart in man Europe you during are. the regular season. So I'm going under on Kansas City, Miami. I'm going under 51 and a half in the Detroit Rams game. I don't think that there, you know, will be a uh I don't think it's going to be an offensive onslaught even though it, it's like the only thing that scares me okay it is in a dome you know so like the opposite of the weather game in Kansas City I'm still going to under on that but then I'm also taking taking Cleveland minus two and a half in that game against the Texans so that's my three nice Indy Saylor brings up a good point I've always wanted to like find a, a, a I have a good buddy that's also very analytical I would start my own betting podcast if I could. Like I said, you know, maybe hey, even, gotta find that sponsor, even with that, baby. maybe we start doing, you know, like you put together a good, you know, 10 to 15 minute segment per week and make it good. And then we start <laughs> shopping that to a potential sponsor. Yeah. See, okay. We can make these things happen, Jesse. That's right. This is how you make some extra do re me. Okay. Come on. <laughs> That's right. Find the big dogs, more sponsors noted. Right. So Salty had a couple questions that I, I saw earlier. He says, if God forbid, Brian Driscoll suddenly retires from IB, does IB's next leader come from an internal candidacy or an external search? Please name the <laughs> candidates. Um, I don't think it's going to be internal or external. If Driscoll retires suddenly, it's because he sold the business for yeah. a boatload of money and he'll walk off into the distance and then, or into, yeah, and then, you know, right off into the sunset and whoever buys it is going to run the thing. So yep. I guess that's technically external, but yeah, that's, well, that's, 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 that's where my money would go on that, Vince. So you're saying the, the retention uh, rate would be very here. low. <laughs> Unless the Styers uh, Diderio hedge fund really hits it big here in the next right. few years, exactly it'll be ex external. Exactly. Joe also wants to know about your uh, your son Dylan down there doing a little kicking in hey, Florida. You awake over there? Come here. <laughs> Come here. 
The people want the people want to see you. <laughs> oh, he's rolling out of bed. There he is. He, th- this kid's gonna win a scholarship. That's the hope. Save dad some right. money. Nope. <laughs> now there is some hair. Everyone wants to talk about my hair. Look at that hair. I just woke up from a nap, so it's a little extra. <laughs> <laughs> it's what happens when it's raining outside and you're in Florida? It's like we're stuck indoors. That's we, true. We actually could... went mini golfing in the rain today. Did you have a fro like that when you were in uh, high school, Vince? Did you have fluffy head? <laughs> I did not. I don't know where he got like the curls and the. I don't know where he gets that from. Yeah. <laughs> Larry said season unders 53.9 highest in wow. 20 years. And the numbers unders also go up in the playoffs because coaches are more conservative. In sure. The that makes sense. So a lot of backup quarterbacks this season. Yep. Yep. That's All true. right. Well, Jesse's got a role here in a few minutes, Vince. I appreciate uh, you, uh, you uh, jumping in from Florida. Enjoyed having you on. As always, so hopefully things go well and the weather gets better this weekend. One of your favorite, uh, one of your favorite movies is on right over here, over my right shoulder. Moneyball. Nice. Very nice. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Hit the like button. Subscribe. Rate. Review. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. We've got uh, Notre Dame men's and women's basketball both coming up this weekend, and of course we've got NFL wild card weekend. So enjoy it all. And we will talk to you next week on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.